Hi, this is Alana Terry. You're listening to season three of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. This season's Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook is Torn Asunder, a Christian suspense novel set in North Korea, written by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Pamela Lawrence, and sponsored by our Patreon community, which is raising funds for liberty in North Korea's Underground Railroad for refugees. You can find out how you can be involved and how you can also get regular Christian fiction ebooks and audiobooks and sometimes even paperbacks when you join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash alanateri. And now enjoy today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast, bringing you today's episode of Torn Asunder. Part 4. The Flames Will Not Set You Ablaze Chapter 24 Simon knew winter had ended when his teeth stopped chattering at night. Sometimes he wondered if time had deceived him. Was it only a few months? Or had he spent over a year in this black vacuum? Where was Hannah now? Was she even alive? He hated the thought of her trapped in a cell as dark and desperate as his. Anxious fears collided against each other viciously, swirling chaotically in his soul. At first, he was optimistic his detainment would get easier. He'd grow accustomed to this timeless void. He'd establish a prayer routine and spend his days with purpose, or at least some form of dignity. But as a humid spring chased away the harsh chill of winter, the despair only swelled and intensified. He stopped stretching his limbs or working his muscles. What was the point? He crouched uncomfortably day and night, but lacked the energy or motivation to shift his position. He forced down all his fear into one small cavity of his chest, and he kept it cramped in there like a tiger confined in a cage two sizes too small. He no longer questioned which voices were real and which were phantoms. When Hannah came to tend to him in his dreams, there was no longer any joy, even for the slightest moment. He knew all too soon he would wake up, never knowing if it was night or day and she would desert him without a hint of farewell. On occasion, the guards came. They had to drag him down the hall, not because he struggled, but because he was too weak to walk on his own. He was always blindfolded, so he couldn't even see the other prisoners he passed. During the questionings, his body reacted to the pain, but his mind had long since fallen numb. When his accusers demanded information about other Christians in Camp 22, Simon told them nothing. He had already failed that test once. He had learned his lesson. Even the guards grew despondent and bored, and the interviews grew shorter and less violent. Simon assumed one day the agents would go a little too far, or his body would give in to malnutrition or infection, and he would finally be released. There would be no other rescue. When his body gave way to fever and his breathing grew raspy and rattled. He guessed how many more days he had to wait, but even the prospect of heaven brought only a small trace of joy. With each breath, it felt like wasps were stinging him from the inside, and the simple act of breathing left him sweaty and depleted, 
All he wanted was rest. He was so very tired. A beam of light stabbed through Simon's pupils. He tried to cry out, but his voice had deserted him when he first fell ill. Nope. Loud, far too loud. He wanted to cover his ears, but only managed to roll his head to one side. No good for questioning any more. The light shone again, firing pain to the back of Simon's brain. You could always try, but I doubt you'll get anywhere. Well, I'll see what the lieutenant says. Probably let him go. Do you want to take him to the infirmary? Simon tried to breathe, but it took several failed attempts before his lungs filled up with even the smallest trace of air. Sounds like more trouble than it's worth. I suppose we could call in the nurse, though. Have her take a look. Nurse or not, can't be more than a day or two, don't you think? Simon's tongue rolled back over his airway. He forced his head to the side and managed to inhale. Days, hours, same difference. Silence fell. No more blinding light. Funny how the darkness didn't bother him the way it used to. To sleep. To never have to struggle again. Simon shut his eyes. Here's the patient I told you about. How long has he been sick? The voices carried through the fog of Simon's dreamless sleep. Don't remember. He's in bad shape. Doubt you'll do him much good. Then I'll try to make him as comfortable as possible. Bars rattled. Gentle steps, soft as the spring breeze, tiptoed toward him. A hallucination, but such a beautiful one. He pried his eyes open. An angel? She sat and cradled his head in her lap. He tried to lift his chin, but it was too heavy. I'm sorry to hear you've been sick. The voice was radiant as a ray of heavenly glory, but something about it still tied him to this earth. He swallowed once. He had to focus. She adjusted her flashlight, and in that split second, everything was clear. She gasped and then a look of horror chased away the shock on her face. She clutched his frail shoulders. Fear rushed through his veins, diluted by a flood of joy that threatened to sweep him away in a delightful, terrifying torrent. He tried to speak, but couldn't. For a moment, he realized he must be dead, until he heard the gasping rattle from his own lungs. She whispered his name, once, twice. He prayed with a fervency he had never known, focusing all his spiritual energy into one single word. Please. She leaned down over him, and her warm tears splashed onto his face, reviving him, awakening his spirit that had been so ready to rest, reminding him just how badly he wanted to live. Oh, sweet and merciful Jesus! He wanted to live. Chapter 25 Hannah. She had come to him, tended to him. It was more real than any of his previous visions. He groaned when he woke, unwilling for the dream to end. Do you hurt much? The voice was pristine, beautiful. The surge of energy that shot through him 
forced out a violent cough. He blinked. Not dreaming? The laughter that rang out was sweeter than cool water from the freshest mountain stream. He reached his hand up to stroke her cheek and felt strong enough to dance. Where are we? The infirmary. I told them I'd help you recover. Said you might even work in the mines. Her fingers traced the veins on his forearm. He opened his mouth and tried several times to speak. I, I thought I'd never see you again. Shh. She glanced over her shoulder and then picked up a small tube. She dipped her finger into something creamy, leaned over, and with a touch that made his chest nearly explode from fullness, she spread the lotion across his chapped lips. He still didn't understand. This certainly wasn't heaven. How had he been delivered from his deathbed in a cold, dark cell, and transferred to this room with light, with warmth, with her? It was more than his mind could take in all at once. She placed a damp rag on his forehead. The fever's already breaking. She swept a clump of his sweaty hair off his brow. You're going to live. Hannah didn't sleep until the following morning, when Simon's breathing eased enough she could spare a short nap. She woke up in the chair by his bed. The sun shone bright through the infirmary window, warming her shoulders and cheeks. She stood up clumsily, her joints stiff, but when she saw Simon smiling, all her aches vanished. She felt his forehead, letting her hand linger on his face, even after she convinced herself he was still improving. You look better. You look beautiful. Her fingers still stroked his cheek. Nurse? A voice rasped behind them. Nurse! Hannah lingered near Simon's side for just a moment longer, before squeezing his hand and turning to the next bed. By the time she helped her patient drink a little bit of water, two other prisoners across the room were calling for her. She felt Simon's eyes on her the entire time she tended them, and her pulse didn't slow down until she returned to his side. You're an angel. Simon was pale, but not ghastly gray, like last night when she convinced the guards to bring him to the infirmary. Simon wiggled his finger. He had lost a lot of weight since they left Yanji. He looked so weak, lying on the blood-stained gurney. But they were together again. Nothing else mattered. She rested her head on his pillow. He whispered something, but she couldn't make it out. Nurse! The cry sounded from several beds over. I can't stay. She yearned to nuzzle her face into that soft spot between his chin and shoulder, to rest in the comfort of his presence, to forget about prison camps and infirmaries and dying inmates. But she resisted the gravity that tugged her entire being toward him, and she forced herself to stand. I'll come back soon. Simon's strength flourished each day he spent under Hannah's tender watch. The infirmary food wasn't any more wholesome than what they fed him in solitary, but the portions were larger, and Hannah made sure he ate everything they served. If he wasn't careful, she would even sneak some of her own rations into his bowl. As his fever cleared, his mind regained some of the clarity he lost in the darkness downstairs. 
He wanted to know what had happened to Hannah, but they could never talk privately. She had dozens of patients to care for, and the officers kept constant guard over them all. And so Simon observed the way she moved from one bed to another, with a grace and dignity that had only matured since she left the secret seminary. In spite of the infirmary's squalid conditions, her whole being radiated peace. She moved slowly, weighted down by invisible burdens, but she cared for the sick and the dying, with a tenderness that left him speechless. Men reached out to her, called for her all hours of the night. Women held on to her hand as they breathed their last, and she closed their eyelids with gentle fingers. Without realizing it, Simon began to daydream about the future, a future outside the infirmary, outside Camp 22's electric fence. He remembered his comrades' discussions about Moses. What if he wasn't a myth? What if there really was such a man, a champion for Christian prisoners? Would he help Hannah and Simon escape? If they could just get to Yanji, the Stearns could arrange for them to immigrate to South Korea or the United States. They could get married, start a family— Hannah ran a rag over his forehead, interrupting his impossible daydream. What are you thinking about? Simon stroked her forearm, his calluses drinking up the silky smoothness of her skin. I was just picturing what a beautiful mother you'd make. She turned away for a moment, but not before her cheeks betrayed a faint blush. He tilted her face toward him. I love you he whispered. You know that, don't you? He stroked her chin with his dry, cracked thumb. I know, she replied. Her downcast eyes couldn't hide her radiance. Her lips looked so soft, so kissable. I've always known. You've been listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Today's episode is an installment of Torn Asunder, written by me, Alana Terry, and narrated by Pamela Lawrence. This season of the Unabridged Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by our Patreon community, where you can get regular Christian fiction audiobooks, ebooks, and even paperbacks. And all the funds that we raise go directly to Liberty and North Korea's Underground Railroad for refugees. You can find out more or get involved today at patreon.com slash alanateri. Thanks again for listening to today's show. Please don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time for the next installment of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Have a great day and we'll talk to you soon.